Hi, welcome to the Holy Spirit You Channel podcast. This is Michelle. Thank you for joining me today. I want to share a few thoughts with you around accountability. Accountability. We are all born into the earth in a particular way that the Lord has ordained since before the foundations of the earth. And basically, he knew us before we knew ourselves. He knew our names before we even existed in the natural realm. He knew of us, where we would be, where we would go, what path he had for us before we got here. And so the notion that there is no accountability to God, whether we do that consciously, unconsciously, overtly or covertly, doesn't really matter. When we are old enough to understand what gravity is, we have already been subject to gravity for all of our lives. We don't come into the world making a profession that we subject ourselves to gravity. No. Gravity is the law, the principle of how God has set things in motion, or one of the millions probably, that he has set in motion that we are subject to whether, whether we acknowledge it or not. So we don't have to make a profession to gravity or to any other thing, other things that he's got in place, in, and a lot of them, quite frankly, for our protection. So we are born with an accountability to God, whether we ever profess that or not. I don't have to say, I believe in God for God to exist. I am subject to God, whether I ever profess it or not. The same is true for you, whether you believe or don't believe. So in that same spirit then, God gives us specific instructions about how we come into relationship with him. So there are certain things we don't have to confess or profess in order for us to be subject to them. And if we're subject to them, that means we're accountable to them. So we're accountable to God in and through many principles, but will you will stick with gravity. I'm accountable to God through gravity every day, whether I ever say it or not, whether I ever acknowledge it or not, and to be quite honest with you, whether I ever know it or not. So then there's a specific set of guidelines and standards that God has set and established in and through Christ for us to come into relationship with him. And relationship doesn't mean that because I profess God, he now exists. He set these things in motion so that I can have the benefit of the relationship. It doesn't change who he is, but it can change who I am. It can change who you are. And in fact, the reason he did this was to change us. Because while we don't have to profess or confess gravity in order to be subject to and or accountable to it, we do have to confess and profess the name of Jesus Christ, believe in, belief in him, in our hearts first, spirit, soul, body. So I have to believe with my heart. Then all of that gets filtered through my soul, and then it comes out of my mouth. And by the way, that's just the beginning of the process. That's not the end of the process. That's the beginning of the process. And if it wasn't, then he wouldn't say, now work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
So there's a specific way that we come into relationship with him. It's by believing in our hearts. Belief drives thought, drives emotion, drives psyche, drives intellect. Belief informs the soul. What I believe informs the soul. My spirit informs my soul. My soul informs my behavior, how I act, how I speak, how I treat others. So he says, believe in your heart. Heart is spirit. The heart of a person is the spirit of a person. I'm not talking about the, the, the physical heart. The spiritual component of a person that is not seen. The word of the Lord says, that which is seen is created by that which is not seen, and that which is made by that which we can't even touch. So the essence of who we are is not tangible. It's spiritual. And in that context, he says, believe in your heart first. Then confess with your mouth. Now, this is similar to me, that, this, this instruction. It's similar to the first and greatest commandment, and the second is, unlo- is, is like it. Because there's something that's very obvious that's missing. So we are three components, spirit, soul, and body. Spirit informs the soul. Soul informs behavior the physicality of who we are, how we express ourselves. But it's something very clear. And if we go back to, it says, in the New Testament, it says, Jesus is being tested. What are the first and greatest commandments? By the way, it's the same as it was in the Old Testament. Thou shalt love the Lord our God as one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength. And he says the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The obvious thing that's missing is the part where he says, and love yourself. But it's implied. And it's implied with strength because what he's saying is, when you love God with all your heart and soul and strength, the obvious outcome, the fruit of that relationship is that you will love your neighbor as yourself. He doesn't have to say, love yourself. Because you, technically you can't. God is loving. I can't. God, when we, res- when we love him with all our heart and soul and strength, there's an exchange that takes place. I've talked about the exchange before as it relates to the cross. There's an exchange that, that takes place. God then imbues us with his love. And therefore, there's nothing, there's nothing that can come out. The love of God, I give myself to God, the exchange, all of my ugliness. He exchanges that for the same love. He loves me, and therefore, I love my neighbor as myself. Okay? So the second is obvious, but it's strongly implied. And in fact, the second to the greatest commandment cannot happen without the first. They're tied together. Likewise, he says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. So, the, the correlation that I'm making there is that it's only two parts. He, it's only, he speaks to only th- two parts, seemingly, even though there are three elements involved. Same as before. There's God, us, and then our neighbors. There's God, me, then my neighbor. God, you, then the, my neighbor. He speaks to all three, but only in two parts. Same here. We come into relationship with him when we confess with our mouth and believe with our hearts. Oh, believe with our heart, sorry, reversed. Believe first, then confess. The obvious thing that's missing is the soul. 
Why? Because we're this Holy Spirit's job to ensure that we are not conformed but transformed. Where does transformation happen? Transformation happens in the soul. If transformation is what is driving our thought process, our intellect, our feelings, our emotions, our behaviors, our psyche, our psychology, our physiology, if, if, if the soul is where all of this, the seat of government of the human being, of the homo sapien, of the humo, human being, the soul is the seat of government. He says, I just need you to believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. That is an act of faith. Why? Because you may not feel it. And in fact, you may not feel anything for a very long time. You will know that that's what you're supposed to do. But you will be holy still, holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy still not transformed. Because after you believe, then in order to effectuate this relationship, I'm sending Holy Spirit. And when he comes, I need you to receive him. Make a home for him. After all, my temple, your body is my temple. And for you to give me that, it is your reasonable service. That's the exchange. So Holy Spirit then comes and says, okay, you believed in your heart and you confessed with your mouth. Now let's make it happen from a practical standpoint. This is why we get the word, be not conformed, but be ye transformed. That's what Holy Spirit came to do, is to make sure we're not conformed, but transformed. Paul says, I pray for you that Christ would be formed in you. What is the purpose of forming Christ in, e in any of us? The purpose of forming Christ in, in any of us, whether one or 100 billion to infinity, is so that we can be transformed. If we were meant to stay the same, if we were meant to lack accountability to God, if we were created to be just, this is just who I am, then there would be no need for confession, for belief, for confession, for loving God. And I don't care who you are today or where you are. I don't care about anything except the fact that you are another human being just like me. That we have been given the privilege of having life in Christ. If, if, if indeed you are in Christ. But here's what I'm going to say to you. God's existence does not require your belief. But your existence requires your belief in him. And just like gravity, even if you never confess it, you're still subject and you're still accountable. That's just how it works. He existed before you got here and he will exist after the word of the Lord says our lives are but a vapor. One minute they're here and the next minute they're gone. doesn't mean that we stop existing. It means that our, our manifested life, time is eternity manifested. So the life that is manifested that we know of here in the earth, of, of, of ourselves and of each other, we think that gives us control over something. But that's not what it's about. It's a gift. And it's an opportunity for us to determine what our, existent, our existence looks like in eternity once we transition out of here. Here's where the work is done. By here, I mean in the earth where, where things are manifested. So 
I want to encourage you today. If you have already confessed and uh, believed, I don't know why I keep getting those. Maybe you need to do both. Confess with your mouth, believe with your heart, vice versa. But it's, you have to believe before you can confess. A confession without belief is a lie. So let me make sure I get that straight. I don't want to reverse that. I want to be very clear. A confession without belief is a lie. That's what the Lord calls lip service. He says, I'm in your mouth, but your heart is far from me. In other words, you're lying. <laughs> so here's, here's the challenge. The challenge is, first, if you have believed and have confessed, then the next instruction, the next set of instructions involve you working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How? By not being conformed, but by being transformed. How? By the power of Holy Spirit. That's the only way it can happen. You can't study yourself into it. You can't, you can't uh, positive think yourself into it. You can't memorize yourself into it. It is a work of God. There are three in one, Father in creation, Christ in manifestation and, and demonstration, Holy Spirit in transformation. He doesn't need us. He's allowing us in. So do not think that even after you have believed and confessed that it's your job to transform. That's how we make a mess of things. It is your job to continue to believe and to allow to humble yourself to Holy Spirit so that he can do the work of transforming. That's my job. That's your job every single day. That is worship. Through that should come some prayer and praise and honoring of God. On the other hand, if you're not in that mode consistently, it's not a one-time thing. You can go. You can even go back, and you can say, "Lord, you know, I feel like I, was, I, I, I confessed, I believed, whatever, but I'm not feeling anything." And that's why He tells us. He says, "So now, after you've believed, if you really do believe, and you've confessed, see, tie those two together so that it's not a lie. Now we go to work to make it truth, to to make you truth, to bring fruit out of you." And I'll go into that in more detail. I just wanted to be clear about something today because we, as a, as a body, as a human race, we lack accountability, but we don't. We think that because people don't know, God doesn't know. And just like if any of us goes and tries to uh, walk off a building or a bridge with some supernatural power, like we're going to defy gravity, God was here. We're still accountable to him. It doesn't matter who knows your business. God knows everything. And he will bring out what he sees fit to bring out. Don't think that just because God is slow, don't count his slowness as he can't tell time. His slowness or his slackness, as in the King James, is mercy toward you and to me for us to repent and get it together. Because would he find faith in the earth if he came? What would he find in you or in your house if he manifested himself? And could you or I stand in the midst of that? In the Old Testament, you see several places where I've seen God, I'm, I'm, going, I'm getting ready to die. That is how glorious his glory is. 
we, we like to glamorize it. Depending on what's in us, God's glory is not glamorous. It could be, it could kill us if we haven't repented. And that's why I say consistently we need to repent at least once a day. We need to have our hearts inclined to the Lord. doesn't mean we get everything right, but we better be in the process of allowing him to make us right. I'm not perfect. I'm being perfected. I am a sinner saved by grace. So let's understand. I want to say the word accountability, accountability, accountability. You are accountable. And anything that says you're not is a lie. Any one of us in the body, in the world, doesn't matter. Any human being that thinks they are not accountable to God or to some, to the universe, or to some higher power, whatever the, whatever the terminology is, I know in whom I have believed. But I'm saying for those that may not be in that same place, I don't have the power to transform you, nor you me. But we are all accountable to God, to a higher power, to a higher being, for those of you that are not yet believers. And you don't have to confess him. I pray that you do. In and through Christ. You don't have to. I pray that you do, always. But just like gravity, whether you do or not, you're still subject to him, and you're still accountable to him, and he will determine how he reaches you and how he gets to you. And he's giving all of us an opportunity, a loving God. But God is love. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. There's no shadow of turning. There's no mischief. There's no deceit. There's not any of those things that are found in us. The heart of man is evil. Humans, who can know it? Well, God knows it. That's why it's in the scripture. That's why he says it. That's why he had it written. So that we can get a clue. Not just about who he is, but who we are without him and who we can be with him. Accountability and repentance, the two go together. So my first thing is stop lying to yourself about who you are, who you think you are, whether you think you're, whether you're a believer or not. Be accountable. Look at your own ugliness. Look in the mirror and everything that you want to say about somebody else that's not healthy, that's not edifying, that's not love, that's not peace and joy, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. Say it about yourself and see how you feel. Look at yourself for who you are, not who you think you are, who you want people to think you are. We've all got to do it. Is it painful? Yes, it's painful. We're sinners. But he's giving us the opportunity to do this by the leading of Holy Spirit so that we don't have to be ashamed at his coming. Accountability and repentance. My name is Michelle. Thank you for joining me for this segment of the Holy Spirit You Channel podcast. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.